0: one man, but both Parker and Zack had been trading off with him, and he hadn't yet heard either of them complain. He wouldn't either. Halfway to the arena, Quincy stopped to take a swig of coffee, hoping the hot slide of liquid would lessen the ache in his chest. Fat chance. He couldn't think of Lonnie without struggling to breathe. When had he come to love her like a sister? At first, just being around her had given him the willies. A bona fide clairvoyant who worked closely with the FBI to locate missing children, Lonnie could get flashes of a person's past, present, or future by a mere touch of hands. Like most men, Quincy had a private life, and there were certain aspects of it that he preferred not to share with anyone. It had bothered him to think that Lonnie might see him with a woman in an X-rated moment now, after coming to know Lonnie, Quincy realized that whatever she saw when they made physical contact was immediately buried deep within her. She had no desire to inflict harm or embarrassment with her gift of second sight. Over time, Quincy had stopped worrying about that. If Lonnie had ever seen him during an intensely private moment, she had never let on, and he'd finally come to trust that she would never breathe a word of it to anyone, not even to Clint. After that, growing to love her hadn't been a big jump for him. Now it was a done deal. He could almost see her, big blue eyes dominating a heart-shaped face framed by a wealth of dark, glossy hair. Pretty, but more important, she was every bit as sweet and dear as she appeared to be. No wonder Clint suddenly looked as if he'd been run over by a semi-truck, his burnished face tinted with undertones of gray, his brown eyes, so like Quincy's own, filled with inexpressible worry and pain. Clint adored his children. But it was Lonnie who was the true center of his life. Without her, how would he go on? Just thinking about it made Quincy's stomach roil. Though March had finally arrived, the air was so cold it burned Quincy's lungs when he drew a deep breath. He wished he'd thought to grab his lined Levi's jacket before leaving the house. Icy fingers curled over his shirt collar and sent a chill crawling down his spine. From the holding sheds, he heard Equine's neighing and grunting, their way of calling for breakfast. The sound helped to center him and clear his head, He had animals counting on him, and he'd best kick it into high gear. Just as Quincy reached the berm of snow that had collected over the winter under the eaves of the arena, his cell phone emitted the sound of a horse whinnying, a tone reserved only for members of his family. As he jerked the device from his belt, he half expected to see his dad's name on the screen. Frank had rented a hotel suite near the Cancer Institute— and he and his wife had been at Clint's side ever since Lonnie had been admitted there. Always an early riser, Frank often buzzed Quincy to give him an update before the sun came up. Quincy's pulse stuttered when he saw that the caller was Clint. Hey, Clint, he said. How is she? Silence. Then Clint's voice came over the air, wobbly and hoarse. It's... Bad, Quincy. Real bad. I just talked with the team of specialists taking care of Lonnie. Quincy had never heard Clint sound so shaken. At this hour? It was all Quincy could think to say, a futile attempt to sound normal when his brother's world might be tipping off its axis. I thought only ranchers were crazy enough to start work this early. They're busy men, and a lot of lives are in their hands. Clint swallowed. The sound came through to Quincy, a hollow plunk that painted a picture he didn't want to see. Lonnie has acute myelogenous leukemia, a very aggressive strain that's often unresponsive to treatment. The doctors say they told me the name of it a while back but apparently it went in one ear and out the other. Quincy wanted to ask Clint more questions, but he sensed that his brother needed to get this said without...